honor the yesterday. Man, I understand that. Dude, being Christians, like we can baptize people, right? Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. You can pray for the sick. You can baptize people. You can lay hands on people to be filled with Holy Spirit if you're baptized in Holy Spirit. It's a believer priesthood. You guys got a green light to manifest Jesus. In fact, I give you permission as a teacher of this school <laughs> to just manifest Jesus. This is my final words, girl. Here they come. <laughs> be Jesus everywhere you go. Manifest Jesus. Amen. I give you permission to look like Him. <laughs> So, but absolutely, great, great question. All right? So, I don't know, really, I don't, I don't have a strong plan uh, for the last... Well, I didn't have a plan for any day I came here. What am I saying? I didn't have a clue what I was doing the whole time. I just came. But, uh, you know, I feel like things went well. Uh, I really do believe there's an impartation of truth. I'm not against ministry. I'm not against... Uh, truth is truth is a powerful thing, guys. Truth is a powerful. Turn to uh, wow. You're going to get some last words, Morgan. Yeah. Thanks, God. Thank you, Jesus. Ho ho ho. Thank you, Papa. Thank you. Believe in me, who's God. Thank you. Thank you, God. Uh, just turn to John eight. This is a, man, there's going to be a lot here. We'll just close with this. And, and uh, I don't know what you guys want to do today. If uh, anybody wants to just share their heart even and just testify, just uh, just anything pertinent and impacting about the school. Uh, Patrick uh, Menley said yesterday at the water baptism, how long was your tooth messed up? Two weeks. Two weeks, abscess or infected, loose. During the baptism, just the expression of love, his heart, his joy for the people, the presence of God, his tooth just was completely made whole while he was standing there, just just having fun with Jesus and others. I just I like that. I just think that so it makes things simple. It just means live pure and just let Jesus be. Let Jesus. You know, we got to take the pressure off. Stop trying so hard. Just be his kids. And that's just sweet to me. I mean, come on. So it just you just realized it, or did you know it was happening, or did you just realize, I realized it? Basically, right after. I said, "Oh my goodness, that thing's the way it should be." Isn't that cool? Wow. I just love that kind of stuff. I, I was sure I was like by Friday. I was going to have to make an appointment. Oh my goodness! So it was at that point where you're thinking, "Man, this ain't going away. I'm going to have to do something." I lost sleep. <laughs> really. And he's just in the baptismal there, just to, not in the but in the baptismal atmosphere, just giving his heart. Thank you, Jesus. Praying, loving others. Just you know what I mean. And then Jesus is just like that. So it's just neat. But I want you to see something about the truth, because I say it all the time. Truth's your best friend. 
I believe truth's the greatest impartation you can receive. You can have you can have lots of folks lay hands on you, and there's a benefit to it. I, I, I'm not saying there's not, but I'll tell you the best thing you can do is get truth alive in your heart by Holy Spirit. There's nothing like it. There's nothing like getting alone. One of the funnest. One of the funnest times I had, I mean, I had a lot of fun times with you guys in this school, but, but in my own heart, the impact was when I was just sitting on the table the other day. I don't know if you were here. You might have missed my most impacting day. <laughs> I don't know if you were here, but uh, were you here when I sat here and said about not being in a hurry, just, sit, just, just with your heart open to him? I don't think you were here that day. I think it was Tuesday, and it might have been Wednesday. I think it was Tuesday, and uh, just uh, making yourself available, just getting in a, a room and just sitting down. And just wanting to know him, just 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 wanting him. And what day was that? I shared that because Kara came up to me and was talking about how how just about how to draw closer in intimacy. And I took you back to that simple truth about just sitting and uh, having a having a pure heart, a pure why in your heart while you're there. You know, just I honor you. I want you before you even open your Bible. You know, I just I so want to see what you're saying that I might know you more, manifest your will, keeping your heart in a very pure reason of why you're doing what you're doing. Because you don't ever want to just go back to square one of just trying to do Christian stuff. Who, who would be like tired by now of just doing Christian stuff? <laughs> I just read my Bible because I'm supposed to keep my mind on the things of God. I, I'm not reading my Bible just to be thoughtful of the things of God. I'm reading my Bible to know him every time. Does that make sense? So, but I want you to see the scripture. The scripture's awesome. We've got a lot of flashes going on. You know, last day pictures or something. <laughs> You're all right. You were distracting me. But, oh, God. <laughs> I guess not. <laughs> you guys are in the pathway. I'm, I mean, she's just getting the back of my silver head. <laughs> uh, your daughter, your young... What are you doing? <laughs> your, your, your young daughter. <laughs> are you testing if I'm secure? Your young daughter pulled a hair off my thing. I looked, I said, oh my goodness, I wonder if I've lost some wisdom with that. She said, I'm the one that touched the hair. She's hanging around these impartation people. I said, oh, wisdom. Let me read this if you can uh, get it in the midst of all the let there be lights. <laughs> we don't we don't mind. Then Jesus said, verse thirty one of John John eight. This kind of stuff, guys, I want you to take a scripture like this and let it mark your heart to where this is the way it is, because Jesus said it. I mean, I am so thankful that he spoke this kind of stuff. He never said make John eight thirty one. John eight thirty one. He never said go make confessing Christians. He never even said, go make people that attend church. It's right to go to church, but he never said, go make people that attend church and call themselves Christians. He said, go make disciples of all nations. A disciple is a disciplined learner. A disciple is a wholehearted follower. That's the two simple definitions of a disciple. A disciplined learner, a wholehearted follower. So he said, go make disciples. And then in John 8, he defines what a disciple is. Watch what a disciple is. If you abide in my word, 
Why is that what makes you a disciple? Because it renews you in the spirit of your mind because we've been abiding in the wisdom of the world all our days before Christ. The way that seems right to man has been ruling our lives. And, and you have to be sure that that way is never integrated in to the truth of Jesus Christ. That's one of the biggest heart cries of my heart through this whole school is that the way that seems right to a man isn't infiltrated in and laced through the truth because the truth is the truth. But all of a sudden, the way that seems right to man gets incorporated in because there's areas that... that so we're going to abide in his what? In his word. And that's what makes me a disciple. Now look at the blessing and the promise, literally the promise of abiding in his word. Not getting frustrated, not getting, not critical on yourself, not saying, boy, I'm not getting this, you know, and giving up and turn it into a method. Because every time you do that, you turn that into a method, you do injustice to your heart. No, you're in this for keeps. You're in relationship. It's not 60 days, try me, see if you like me kind of policy. Watch. If we continue or abide in His Word, watch. You shall know the truth. 32 of John 8. You shall, watch this. You shall know the truth. Now we're always talking about freedom in the church. We're always talking about deliverance in the church. We're always talking about breakthrough in the church. I hear those phrases all the time because people relate to being bound and not free and how they feel and I'm not this. Watch this. You shall know the truth and look, this is amazing, and the, it's not the altar call. It's not the laying on of hands. It's not, it's not any of that stuff that we do. It's what's going to set you free. It's the truth that makes you free. You know, you can get liberty with people minister to. You can feel the peace and presence of God. And you can go on and have a grace in your life and be inspired and feel freer to pursue Him. I understand all that. But it's not until truth dawns in your heart that you'll walk in that continual freedom. But watch this. Here's the cool thing. Once you know the truth, you know the truth. You're locked in. You're cemented in. You're convinced. Nobody can unconvince me of the things that I've been talking about for 13 weeks. They're my reality. So I'm not trying to believe them. I don't wake up and try to live by faith. They've become my knowing. You shall what? No. That's a little different than just stepping out in Bible faith until the reality hits, right? We've come to know and believe the love that God has for us, John writes. So truth is your best friend, guys. And truth is the life of Jesus lived. So truth has the power to what? Make you free. It's amazing. They said, now watch what they said. We're Abraham's descendants. We've never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you'll, you'll be made free? We're, we're nobody's slaves. Most assuredly, I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave to sin, and a slave does not abide in a house forever, but a son abides forever. Watch. Therefore, if the son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. Right there alone is enough to show you that Jesus came to set us free from a sin consciousness and get us to wear righteousness and be sons and not sinners. Right there's enough proof right there, but there's... There's dozens of places. But that, that's right there, the purpose of Jesus to separate us from the bondage of sin, from the identity of sin, from the stain of sin, and even the nature of sin, that drive of sin. Do you see? Because any, any Christian that, that, that receives the love of God, the drive of sin is not there. It's, it's just not there. Uh, a slave does not abide in a house forever, but a son, what? Abides forever. Therefore, if the son makes you free... So, who is the Son? The, the, 
and he's the truth. I'm the truth. Isn't that cool? So everything you see about him is the truth about you. That's why I was laughing in the beginning. He said, I give you permission as a teaching this school, go be Jesus to the world. Go be just like him. That's, that's your release today. But you realize this? You're free indeed. So once truth dawns in your heart, so the time you spend alone with God pursuing truth concerning Him and you and talking to the Holy Spirit is priceless. You can't, put a, you can't put a measurement on that. I said it over and over in this school. You're not here to stir up this. You're here to cause this to come alive by seeing truth. Once you see truth, truth makes you free. It's a done deal. I, I, I used to laugh and teach in corporate settings and say, uh, here's what the truth looks like when somebody sees and gets... It's just, oh, that's how simple it is. Being delivered could be... Oh, and the bondage is over. The torment's over because you see. It's the light coming on. You get it? So continue in truth. It's our best friend. Uh, his name is Jesus. <laughs> it's truth. And it's the Word of God. So I don't know what you guys, if you guys had any wrap-up questions that you just didn't want to end the school without asking. Uh, I know somebody wanted to do some pictures today, and I don't know what all you want to do today be in the last day. You all got your certificates too. I didn't even know they were giving you them little certificates. Did everybody get one? Not everyone. Uh, no, well, not everybody passed, Brian. Did <laughs> 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 I remind you of your brothers? <laughs> yes, yeah. Not in every way. <laughs> no. <laughs> see, see, Jesus was saving me. <laughs> Go ahead, George. There are some ministries that emphasize using oil to before they touch and set. And uh, I have not heard you minister that way at all. What is your... There, there's a place for it. It's your privilege, especially if someone calls and asks for prayer. Uh, you can, we can look where it's mentioned. James chapter 5. And I can explain it. Uh, it's your privilege... To use oil if you want to. Just, just, uh, it's a contact point of faith. There's no, there's no power in the bottle. But there sure is a power in the representation that Holy Spirit's coming upon you when I touch you. And the anointing of oil just means the Holy Spirit's upon you. It's symbolic of a person of Holy Spirit coming upon you. Uh, I was just in a service and a man from Sicily, his family has olive groves in Sicily, and he brought me a case. He gave me this little bottle. He was so sincere. And he said, uh, it's the purest. It's first fruit. The way they press it, it's the first oil from the, like, the first olives of the grove. It's, he had all this spiritual stuff about first fruit, first, you know. And uh, it was the purest virgin olive oil there is. And uh, the case was uh, retailed at around $450. I thought he was giving me these little bottles and they're like, they look like big wine bottles and there's 12 of them in the case. He said, he's talking all about it and about using it for anointing and taking it with me when I travel and giving it to pastors or ministries that could put it in their little bottles. And, and, but he understood. Now, here's what he said to me and I, I so appreciate it because when he got off, he's all excited when he got off on the thing about the oil and it's his family and the olive groves. And I'm thinking, uh, man, Lord, he's so sincere and so pumped. And I don't like to be in those situations because I won't just let him just duck, 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 without, like, if I see it's like a, if you cross a line where it's obvious and you're outside of truth or a spiritual principle, I, it's hard for me to just say, well, thank you. 
<laughs> I just love you too much to do that. I'm not going to be like, because I was thinking, man, he thinks the, the power's in the bottle, I think. And here's what he said. It was so cool, George. He said, now listen, I realize there is no power in these bottles. And I realize it's simply a contact point of faith. But pastors and leaders that understand first fruits and, and, and the purity and da, da, da. And he started naming all this stuff about the oil. He said, uh, it just release faith because it's a contact point of faith. And I just see God do great things when people are using this oil for anointing. So he said, I'm just going to get you a whole case. And I thought, well, he was holding this little bottle. And I thought it was going to be a, you know... He comes walking in and hands me this case of extra virgin olive oil. You ought to smell it, man. When you take the lid off, it's like, whoa. But the bottles are 40-some bucks a piece. Yeah, it was amazing. She gave me a whole case. I said, I don't know if I'm giving it to anybody. No, I gave like four of them away before I even left the area I was in. But it was the contact point of faith that he gave it to me for. So we're going to talk about it quick. I just want to make an announcement. We have oil down in the store. Oh, down in the bookstore? Yeah, for yeah. two ninety nine. To take, <laughs> to take anything you want. Yeah, that's the oil you want. Don't try it. If I sell you oil, <laughs> in fact, don't wait till the last day and try to buy oil because <laughs> you know about that, right? Don't wait till, don't try to buy oil late, you know. Get your own oil now. <laughs> he's he's talking. <laughs> oh, God. It's the last day of school. Hey, Lamb. <laughs> Get it from the store because John has a good thing going down there. Two ninety nine. I might even empty one of them big bottles in his little bottle, sneak some in there for you, you know. But let's look at John, uh, James chapter five. It's a good question, George. Uh, I personally, I'm going to answer the question personally in my own conviction. I only use anointing oil when Jesus tells me to, and there's been a whole handful of times over the years he told me to anoint with oil, and I don't ever know why. I just do it, and it's always awesome. Does that make sense? So it's a leading of the Spirit thing for me. If you want to anoint every sick person you pray for, uh, especially in the church, and have faith for that, uh, I don't think, it's probably going to be a good thing out in public because they're going to be like, what are you putting on me? Why are you putting that on me? You just take their hand and don't even maybe sometimes touch people in public. It's mainly designed for the church that understands the person of Holy Spirit, the anointing of God. It represents the anointing of God that comes upon a person when you pray. That's, that's simply what it is. So keep it that simple. Uh, I, I wouldn't probably anoint people with oil out in public. If I go do hospital visits, there's families there. Every once in a while, the Lord will say, Dan, I want you to anoint with oil. I don't, you know, I don't even question that. I just do it. And you always figure out why later. And if you don't, you figure it's probably meant a lot to the family. It doesn't, honestly, I would never have to anoint anybody with oil. My, my faith is in the finished work of Christ and Holy Spirit's in me and he flows when we pray. So let's get it on. That's where I'm living and coming from all the time. But there is times Holy Spirit says to anoint with oil. And here's one of those specific times it sounds like it's important. I have just a little quick little testimony about that. Um, mm-hmm. I always carry anointing oil with me in my purse. Yeah, I have it in my glove box. And um, anyway, one day I fell on ice, and I, I fell down, and I really felt like something was broken in my leg. And my pocketbook flew open, and the oil fell out. Oh. And the Lord said, use that now on yourself. 
Mm-hmm. And you can use the oil. Oh, absolutely. Now watch what happens with Barb. Now watch. Because she's a Christian has understanding. When the Lord says to her, she already knows Scripture. She knows she can pray. She knows she ought to pray. A lot of times that's what we do. We pray because we ought to pray. But when the Lord says in intimacy, in relationship, and the oil slides out of the purse, it's like a setup. And when the Lord says, Barb, it's his love for her. But guess what happens in her heart? Her spirit man and her faith in God's love and God's power rises way above what her leg feels like and what just happened. It just takes her eyes off of what's wrong and fixes her eyes on what's right. Most of the time when we pray, we're so driven by what's wrong, trying to get it to change so it's right. And what's right needs to be big in our heart because that's what changes what's wrong. So when she grabs that oil and hears and believes, she hears, watch, you could argue all day whether she heard God say that or not. She believes she heard God say that. There's a faith there. It's a personal thing. She grabs the oil. She does it. And, and, and there's the blessing of the Lord. So. Oh, see, that's so good. <laughs> and you just... Yeah. <laughs> no, that's where you should have took the bottle and said, where is your pain? <laughs> well, it's all over my body. Oh my goodness. You guys gotta love me. It's the last day. I'm not gonna get to do this anymore. <laughs> so George, let's look here. This is an excellent question. And uh it says in verse thirteen, this is good too. Verse thirteen's good. Is any among you suffering? Let him pray. I'm not being smart, okay? It's easy to complain. It's real easy in the flesh to complain, and it's real easy to tell everybody how much you're suffering. And then you'll amplify the suffering. Actually, it empowers it. Watch. Is anyone suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing songs. Is anyone, is anyone among you? So he's talking to Christians. He's writing to Christians. It's, 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 he's definitely writing to Christians on this one. But you have the right to anoint anybody, especially if they understand or want you to. But I'm just saying, when you go whatever city you're in, heal the sick there and tell them the kingdom's here, that rarely involves oil. That's just you healing the sick. Laying your hands on the sick, they shall... That's a sign of the believer. There's no oil mentioned there. A lot of times that... that, that that could stumble even, but but here here he's writing to Christians, and if you look up and and really look into what he's saying, is any among you sick? Let him call for the elders. I personally believe he's talking about a shut-in person, a person that's going through something. He can't get to where you are. He can't get to where you are. He's either invalid. He's a shut-in. He's been injured so bad. He's laid up somewhere, and he's calling for the elders to come. Uh, it doesn't necessarily have to be limited to that. Uh, it could be just somebody coming to church and finding some spiritual believers and, and going up and saying, listen, guys, I haven't been doing well. I've been praying. I haven't seen any change. I'd ask if you guys could surround me and pray over me as my brothers and just pray. Who knows? That's the same. That's, but specifically, specifically, you can see here, too, that it would, this would involve somebody that can't even make it to where you are. So they like say they'd call the office and say to Kim, Kim, 
uh, I'm really going through a trial. I don't know who's there. I know there's some people growing and maturing that are up there in the school. Maybe I know pastors out of town. I don't know what other leaders are around, but could you have three, two or three people come to my house and just pray over me? I can't even get out of the house today. That would be this kind of scripture. Does that make sense? Now, for some reason, he mentions oil here, George, okay? And I believe it's because it's among the believers, it's among us, and we all understand the person of the Holy Spirit, hopefully, he's assuming, right? So watch this. This is amazing. This scripture is very, very convicting and clear to to the church, especially that wrestles with the whole healing thing. Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him. That's an interesting phrase. Let them pray over him. Anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. So when you anoint him with oil, what are you doing? You're doing it in the name of the Lord, declaring the spirit of the Lord upon him, the anointing of God upon him, the grace of God upon him. However you want to see that, term that, because they can all mean the same. Now watch. And the prayer of faith. Now watch. Who did he call? The elders to pray. Who's praying over him? So whose faith? Has nothing to do with the sick person, does it? He called the elders to pray over him. That's powerful. Come on, we're, we're always saying you need to get faith. Well, <laughs> yeah, we do. <laughs> but don't limit it to the person in trouble. Because the prayer of faith, what will it do? It will say, now watch. If you haven't settled, and I'm going to kind of open some up we've talked about a lot two weeks ago and a week ago. If you haven't settled in your heart the will of God to heal, People in every situation. Where's your faith going to come from? How can you possibly have faith if in your heart you don't understand the nature of God is saying, yes, I want to do this? There's no way to find faith then. Come on. So watch. If you don't believe it's the will of God to heal everybody, you'll go through the ordinance and anoint with oil, but it's not the prayer of faith. And then if there's no result, you'll say, well, see, God just doesn't, whatever, but at least, hey, I did what I was supposed to. No, you didn't. You're supposed to pray the prayer of faith. And the prayer of faith is a convinced, persuaded place that says, I understand the heart of God in this situation and know the will of God through His Son, so be healed. Come on, this is simple. This kind of scripture really pins us down and gets us out of excuses for lacks of power. (laughs) We have a lot of excuses for lack of power. We blame it on something. We will. We need to stop that. <laughs> really. So watch this. The prayer of faith, what will it do? It will what? It will save the sick. And the Lord what? Will raise him up. Do you hear any limitation there? Do you hear any change of mind or anything else that could happen if the prayer of faith is prayed? So does it make it on, is this thing on God or is this on the church having a revelation? Come on, it's simple. This has nothing, it's God is a yes and amen God. You can see it, I can sit here right now and show you so many scriptures that makes him a yes and amen God. Okay? And if he committed sins, watch this, he will be forgiven. So what's the basis on healing? The fact that God's mercy is on the earth through the blood of Jesus and all men can be forgiven and healed. So why are you anointing with oil? It expresses God's favor, God's will, God's love, all the above, and the person of Holy Spirit upon you that brings the glory of God. Amen? 
Does that make sense, George? So that's your privilege, especially when someone calls you for prayer. If someone calls your house after this school and they're a Christian and say, hey, look, I'm going through it today, man. It's like a flu. I can't even get out of my bed. Could you come over? Could you grab so-and-so and come and pray for me? It would be just totally fitting to take a bottle of oil if you want to. You don't have to, but in that case you can. And in the case where they're calling elders or or leaders, I encourage everybody. If somebody calls the church and says, I need some elders to come, I would encourage whoever would go to take the oil because there's a reason he wrote it there. The person, obviously, watch this. Who knows that person that called the elders has probably been praying? Who knows they're probably crying out for mercy? I'm sure they're praying. And, 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 and there's probably feeling a lot of things like people feel. Wonder why this isn't happening. Wonder what's wrong with my faith. I wonder what, blah, blah, blah. So they call somebody that's, that's an elder in the church. It actually means spiritual maturing ones, growing ones in the Lord. And, uh, they come and pray the prayer of faith anoint with oil. What's the anointing of oil do on the behalf of the person that's in trouble? It just stirs what? Faith, it's their contact point of faith. It's saying, hey, Holy Spirit's here. I believe you're here. And then they anoint with the oil. It's just a contact point of faith. It just stirs something in the human heart, doesn't it? Can you see that it would? So it's a very beautiful thing, George, that we can do. Uh, I personally, I'll do it on the, if I get called as a pastor into hospitals and stuff, I take oil with me, throw it in my pocket, and... Uh, uh, I only do it other than that. I only do it when Jesus tells me and there's times he does. It's not often, but there is times he says, I want you to anoint with oil. I say, okay. I've been at the altar already praying for like sick people. I've been traveling and end up praying for a bunch of sick people and all of a sudden the Lord will want me to anoint one of them with oil. I don't have a clue why. I'm so ready to pray for them, but it means something to them. It's something there. So I don't question that. If Jesus says do it, what do you do? Do it. You listen to Mary. Mary said, do whatever he says. Mick, you had your hand raised a little while ago. Yeah, there's a scripture in Psalm 132 that talks about being anointed with oil, even the oil that poured upon That's the That's the unity of the brother. Yeah. The beard. Uh, that fellow that uh, you were supposed to walk and preach on that uh, ministry there for a weekend or something and then couldn't make it and another fellow did it. But that same fellow, uh, Brother Walball's a good friend there at the time. Oh, the pastor of yeah, Michigan. Yeah, so yeah. is Michigan. He, I asked him what, one time what, because I had seen him preach for 30 years ago. And he's changed so much, so radically. And I thought, what, what happened to you? What, what, did, what different, you know? And he said that that fellow that came and preached that weekend, that we were uh-huh. talking about, uh, that he gave him an, an Aaronic blessing. And I said, what was the Aaron? I've never heard of it. And he says he took it down in his basement and retired. And he poured like a whole gallon of olive oil over his head. He gave him Aaron's blessing. And he said that since that day, he sees... It opened his eyes. He reads the Bible differently. He preaches differently. Everything's changed for him. It became totally different and deeper. Right. Just because of that blessing. From right. God. Well, the, the man, the man's here and it's faith. It's all a contact point of faith. Uh, I, I have a couple memories in my mind of actually pouring oil down over people to where it just trashed whatever they were wearing. But it was God and God moved. There was a service I was in and this girl had just pretty puffy curly hair I mean it was pretty and God told me to pour my whole water bottle over her head right in the altar at the carpet and I didn't even hesitate and did it and it just washed her clean and it was all it was was a bottle of water 
but prophecy matched with it. And and the story was incredible, but it was the lady, the girl just came up and handed me a brand new bottle of water. I was praying for a lot of folks and I, I, I cracked the lid and the Lord said, don't drink it, pour it over this one's head. And I went, what? And he said, yep. I, said, I didn't even hesitate. That's the quickest thing to do is just to do it right away. Because if you think, if you think, you delay, you get in trouble. He said, pour it. And, and the first thing I looked at was her hair. I said, oh, God. Because she had pretty hair. I mean, she had pretty hair. And I just poured the whole bottle down over her head. And, of course, everybody screamed and squealed and went crazy because they just thought it was radical and awesome. But she just... And the Spirit of God came with the obedience and with the contact point of faith. You want to know the story there? She had some regrets. She had some things going on in her life. And in the morning, I was teaching on righteousness and and, and being loved by God. And she was getting uh, attacked with condemnation. Right while I'm preaching, the liberty I was preaching, this torment was just... And she ran out to her car bawling. And she was going to leave. And she was just sitting there bawling in the car. And the Lord was speaking to her. and, and, And this storm came, this just torrential rain I mean it looked like the rain was coming sideways you could have kayaked in the parking lot for a while it was crazy it was back when Iowa was getting all them floods and stuff and I looked out there I never seen anything like it I ain't kidding you you could have kayaked in the parking lot for a while it was that much rain coming down it was just laying everywhere and uh, she's out in her car when that was happening and the Lord said "Uh, you've been run out of the service while I was speaking to your heart. I need you back in there to hear what, what this man's speaking. And she thought, I'm being so deceived. I'm out here running from condemnation and it's the truth in there that I need. And now she's like, I'm going back in. And she wrapped a blanket all around her in her back seat of her car and ran through the rain. And the rain was so torrential. When she got there, she soaked. So she takes off the blanket. It's drenched. She throws it at the front of the foyer door outside and walks into the foyer and she you know young lady she's oh man i gotta go to the ladies room now because she just drenched as she steps into the foyer she felt water running down down her face and and she said she felt the presence of god and she hesitated and said lord are you speaking to me and she she was sensitive to this water and she said are you trying to say that i'm washed clean and she kind of like shook herself out of it because of the lies. And she went to the bathroom and, you know, made herself presentable. And, and then she comes to the altar and I pour my water bottle over her. <laughs> but the Lord says, you're clean. I've washed you. Bop, bop, bam. And she's just, what? So, you know, they're contact points of faith. You just obey. So, George, if he tells you to pour the whole bottle... No, <laughs> no. If you, it's your privilege. Here's the deal. There's times Jesus will tell you to do stuff. You do it. Don't think. Just do it. Well, I'm now. You know, you go into a hospital and even they're on life support. I'm not telling you. You know. Well, this voice said unplug everything. <laughs> no, 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 no. I didn't teach you that. I'm talking about oil. I'm talking about oil. Is the mic is the mic on? I'm talking about oil, <laughs> maybe water, <laughs> not life support machines, <laughs> but uh, uh, it's your privilege. So to, it's, yeah, she, she would not mind. She'd be like, 
<laughs> Do it, Jesus! <laughs> she would not mind. I'll get a new scarf. Come, Lord. <laughs> I, I turned uh, this whole will of God thing got got big in me. It's something I didn't teach in the whole school, but I want to show you something real quick. Okay, Second uh, Corinthians one, because I don't want you struggling with the will of God to heal. That's the biggest stumbling block in the church for releasing faith. Because we pray for somebody and they don't get healed and our mind just tries to go bonkers. And our minds feel like it, it, has the, it, it has the position to explain everything. And I'm telling you, don't get trapped in trying to explain everything. If you make it simple and just say, you know what, he's growing me in a revelation and I'm going to know him more because I'm going to keep on pressing and I'm going to be touching people and more things are going to be happening because I'm going to know him more. Because if Jesus, I always settle it with this. If Jesus touched somebody, what would happen? It's a done deal. And where does he live? In us, and he gave us the green light go. It's just, it's simple. Don't make it complicated. Don't come up with all these reasons and things, because you're going to see something here. Second Corinthians chapter 1, I want you to see in verse 15. This is Paul writing to the Corinthians, and he's sharing his travel plans and stuff. This is amazing. Never heard, never heard this uh, section preached. The Lord showed me this in my bedroom. Most of the stuff I preach, I don't listen to preachers. So pretty much I, it, it blesses me when I hear somebody preaching stuff that, that I've preached a lot because I realize God's speaking to his people. Second Corinthians chapter 1, verse 15. Watch this. And in this confidence, I intended to come to you before that you might have a second benefit. Now, he's talking about coming uh, to the Corinthians and they were going to bless him, sow into him and provide for him on his way to Macedonia, okay? Uh, so they say in a second benefit, in other words, provide him for me, meet my needs so I could get there and continue to carry out the work of the gospel. To pass, he's explaining, watch, to pass by way of you to Macedonia, to come again from Macedonia and be helped by you on my way to Judea. So I'm heading to Macedonia. You guys were, I was going to give you the benefit of blessing, sowing into what God's calling me to do over here. And on my way back through, I was going to swing by. You guys could load me up, fuel me up again so I could make my way to Judea and continue the work of the Lord. Does this make sense? Okay, so he says, therefore, now you got to catch how he shifts gears while he's writing here, but the wisdom behind what God's saying through his word. So that's why I tell you, don't be in a hurry when you read your Bible. You, you, you know, you ask Holy Spirit to reveal the living God. Therefore, when I was planning this, now watch, did I do it lightly? Was I just thinking, well, maybe this is a good idea. I'll just do this. And, hey, that'll be cool. Yeah, I'll just, no, he's not. He's said, I'm not living that way. Or the things I plan, do I plan according to the flesh? This is heavy. Watch this. That with me there should be a yes, yes, and a no, no. What he's saying is when you live by the flesh, you're, you, you, you're very bouncy. You're indecisive. It's one thing one time and another thing another. You're, you can shift like the tides and the winds. and the, God's no turning or shifting of shadow. And when we judge God according to the flesh, we almost make him like us. We See, God's amazing. So what he's saying is, did I do this just flippantly? Did I do this in the flesh? Did I think, you know, ooh, that'll be a cool idea. If I do this, I'll go here. To where maybe he changes his mind later and they're expecting him to come by and he never shows up. And one day they get a messenger to come and say, oh, Paul went this way, he changed his mind, but thanks for being there for him. He decided, da, da, da. What he's saying is, no, it's not like maybe I will, maybe I won't. He felt like he's living by the Spirit and it was the wisdom of God to do what he was doing. The integrity of what he said was, hey, I'm going to pass back by and he came back by. Why? Because he didn't do it lightly. Because he's saying to live by the flesh is indecisive. It's yes and no. 
Indecisive. That's yes and no. To live by the flesh. Now watch this. Watch how he shifts gears and starts spiritually talking spiritually immediately. Because he's talking spiritually the whole time, but it sounds like he's just making conversation and explaining, but he's teaching. Spirit of God is teaching. Let's catch it again. I'm going to read it through. When I was planning to do this, did I do it lightly or the things I planned? Do I plan according? There's the key phrase. Do I plan according to the flesh that with me there should be yes, yes, and no, no? But as God, now he's shifting gears. He's putting it right on the Father. But as God is, what is God? Oh, we make him so unfaithful in a sense by turning him with a shifting of shadow or whatever. Watch. But as God is faithful, our word to you was not yes and no. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by us and by me, Sylvanus Timothy, was not yes and no, but in him was yes. yes. For how many promises? Oh, my goodness. For all, how many? For all the promises of God in Him are what? Yes. yes. And in Him? Amen. To the glory of God through us. To the glory of God through who? So who's the promises flow through? So who needs to know their God to do great exploits? Who needs to understand His will? Who needs to have the yes and amen burned in their heart by Holy Spirit? Watch. The only reason we have a God that maybe He will and maybe He won't, let's pray and find out, is because we've judged Him according to the flesh, to circumstances and experiences. We have discerned God through the flesh, and with us there's a yes and no. But to God there's a yes and amen. Now watch. Matthew, this is heavy. Matthew 5 says, Let your yes be yes, and your no be no, because anything else is of the evil one. So I wonder where the doctrine came. Maybe Let's pray and see what God does. Maybe He will. Maybe He won't. But at least we'll pray. I wonder where that doctrine came from. I wonder who inspired that one. By getting man to look through the flesh, through his human reasoning, through his common knowledge. And well, we prayed for Bill and he died. We prayed for Bob and he lived. God heals some and doesn't heal all. It's obvious. Because if God healed all, He'd have healed him too. And all of a sudden we're judging according to the flesh and the yes and amen gospel is still there and now we paint a yes and no and maybe so i've preached it this way you can't marry yes and no there's no covenant union between yes and no let your yes be yes and your no be no they can't have covenant if they have covenant and multiply they have maybe so and maybe not that would be their children if you marry yes and no you breed maybe so and maybe not do you hear faith in maybe so? Do you hear faith in maybe not? Do you hear faith in yes, yes, and no, no? How about yes and amen? Do you see the power of the scripture? He's talking about living his life by the flesh. I would be indecisive and you wouldn't know whether I'm coming or going. But I live by the spirit. That's why I pass by you. Because God sent me and I'm living by the spirit. And with me, there's a Yes. And he says, for as God is faithful, this is how the gospel was preached to you. Yes and amen, not yes and no. Now watch. For all the promises. How many? In him are yes and amen to the glory of God through. So we have to see this now. He who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us. So you are anointed is God. And he sealed us with his spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. Amen. Do you see the power of that scripture? 
You have to settle in your heart that it's the will of God to heal, restore, redeem, and deliver across the board. He died once for all. And the church is destined and set itself against herself to argue that point because of our experiences, our hurts, and our offenses. And we haven't found ourselves humble in the presence of the Lord. The word of God is so simple. Just that one section of scripture right there humbles me so much that it's a yes and amen gospel. Does it say it? How many promises? Are there promises to heal? Forgive all your sins and heal all your disease. Is there a promise to lay your hands on the sick and they recover? Is it always yes and amen to God? Your Bible says so, not me. That's not my sermon. Your Bible says so. You follow me? The yes and no was derived by the flesh, by human wisdom, our feelings, and our experiences. And we've had some painful losses, guys. Some of us have lost loved ones in this fight. And sometimes it's real hard for the mind to wrap around what God's saying because our emotions are so... And there's things we're trying to protect that need to not be protected. And it's just straight to talk about it. Because how many promises? Don't forget that. Amen. Gene. I think what, I think what makes... Uh, I'm talking to other people in the class here, what makes people hesitant is uh, if you're praying over someone that you know is sort of maybe weak in faith, you know, in their faith and they don't see something happen. We know that something, God is doing something. He always does this. He's always doing something in heavenly realms. But, and I, I admit, my, my concern is for the person that doesn't see it. You know, here we are in faith and earnest with pure heart and want to see this person you know, healed of this pain. And I think, you know, from talking to other people too, that's their concern when nothing, we see here on earth, nothing happens. What about that person, you know? I'm not sure your question. What about that person? That's why we encourage, we take responsibility. Look, we're growing in this, but this is what we're living towards and for. It's not a point in time. It's not a motive, a moment that you plug into and plug out. It's not about ever being discouraged, losing heart. Don't lose heart. Don't grow weary in well-doing. You'll reap if you don't lose heart. So there's a way to stand with somebody and keep them encouraged in the very thing that's keeping you moving forward. Because the bottom line is, it's not about them believing. It's about you ministering the kingdom. So who needs to be encouraged continually? The carriers of the kingdom that are ministering the kingdom. And sometimes we get our eyes on the people and say, yeah, but I don't want this. I don't want to be too forthright because wonder if God. And when we say that, we already reveal we have no revelation. Well, I don't want to build their hope up and pray because if God doesn't come, and we're backpedaling, we're already revealing we don't even know the will of God in this matter and it's just the Christian thing to do and I'm afraid to step out in it. So you're actually with our own testimony, we're revealing we don't know God very well. Most of the time, I got hands. When I get on this topic, it's amazing. The room explodes. It's just amazing. <laughs> I was just going to say, um, we need to guard our hearts when we're doing this because uh, right away, if we get emotional over it or get our feelings involved with that person because of their condition, that, that will remove the faith. It subverts revelation. What Barb's saying, I have tried to convey so much to people because what she's saying couldn't be more true, and to, to, in my opinion, which isn't always the greatest way to go, in my own personal opinion, I'm talking about my personal heart and life, it is the number one downfall of releasing faith, getting human 
emotionally, sentimentally caught into the thing, just needing, wanting the emotion. Oh, God, we know they need healing. We know it's a terrible situation. Some of the hardest situations are when you can see it with your eyes or it's a little child or it's someone really close to you. You're just so empathetic, so sympathetic, so much human emotion. Honestly, if you boil right down to it, just our family inner circle, what we call family love, most of the time is more on the unhealthy side than the healthy most of the time. Or what we call our love towards our kids. You'd be amazed how many parental love towards kids has more fear behind it, more insecurity, more guilt and blame towards yourself if they're not doing it. it, it it's, it's laced with that stuff if we just dare take a good look. That a lot of what motivates us isn't even a pure love. It's usually fear, concern for how we feel because we failed a little here or there. Or, oh my God, I can't believe... Or how it's a looking flashing back on us that stuff there's there's a list you could write of things that could be involved in that whole scenario even with parents towards their kids kids towards their parents you could come up with a whole list and it all seems right at a quick glance or feel but doesn't produce anything good why wouldn't that roll into your praying for the sick self-conscious even thinking god you got to do this through me god i got to get this where you're striving where it's where you've lost sight of love and faith where it's just the Christian thing to do and you're in the middle of the battle and you've got to win and all of a sudden you're carrying a pressure. If I'd ask you and you'd be honest who's carried pressure praying for the sick, everybody that would be really honest that's praying for the sick would raise their hand because we get pressurized and, and all of a sudden we're trying to preach another scripture and come up with a prophetic thing and we're trying to grab for straws because our minds are shaking because this isn't working and, and all these things pull us from the finished work of Christ and the only reason why they can be healed. Does this make sense? Do you see all the hands I got up? I got more hands than this class will permit. Go ahead. I, I'll get you, Mick. Go ahead. Okay, so that's happened to me where to the point where I've just stopped praying for people for a while. I've let that happen in the past. So how do you snap out of that? Just just getting Okay, can I talk to you real plain like a friend because you ask. Okay? Why would you stop praying? Because you get self-conscious and you start thinking about how it made you feel. And it puts you in the pressure cooker of not understanding. So you stop. Here's the greatest thing you can do. Who, watch, I'm not being mean to Pam. Who of us has permission to stop? Where do we even get that right? We're to continue in him to step forward. If we draw back, it's to sure destruction because then we're sure to get no results. But if we press on believing, it's to the saving of the soul. So you don't even want to assume the right because you died, remember? Your life's not your own. He said pray for the sick. When do we assume the right to stop? Never. Never. It's not your right. It's not even your call. Do you get what I'm saying? So the only reason Pam could do that is because she's thinking in her mind, the way we would all tend to think. We're all challenged with this. I'm not picking on her. I'm just being real. So she's allowing herself to be discouraged, misunderstanding, frustrated, whatever word would fit. One of those. And then just saying, oh, well, I'm just not. And then we think, well, I'll just seek the Lord and pray and spend time and do Christian things until one day he, you know, reveals this clearer till he releases me or whatever. He's already released us. 
<laughs> so you pray for the sick. Our buddy Todd prayed for the sick for 90 days. People that fight with healing and people that are critical in the church trying to find a stand why he doesn't want to heal would have chewed that scenario to pieces praying for the sick for 90 days. You're blaspheming the gospel. You're misrepresenting Christ. You're hurting all kinds of people. Well, just try to lead them to the Lord. Quit trying to pray for healing. Look, three months and you haven't seen people healed. God's certainly not with you, pal. Why don't you wake up and back off? That's how the church talks. And yet when you open the Bible, it says whatever city you're in, heal the sick. And these signs follow those who believe. Lay your hands on the sick and they recover. It doesn't say weigh your statistics, weigh your percentage. It just says do it because Christ is in you. Now go. So Todd said, all I know is I'm supposed to do it. And there, here's how humble he was. He was only six months old in the Lord when he started doing this. He said, well, he was closer to a year old when he really started doing this. He said, uh, he said, all I know is if I believe it'll happen. So there must be some, watch what he said. He didn't have any church background. Our church background is a detriment sometimes more than a blessing. He had no church background to fall on. Here's all he had, the Bible that he read. And, and he had all that I ever told him because I was speaking into his life all the time. So the Bible, all he ever knew was, if they're not healed, the Bible says it'll happen. If I believe there must be something wrong with what I see. I must not be seeing clear. There must be something wrong with my belief. Now, you won't hear a Christian saying that most of the time. It's real true. He's 90 days praying, and he said, well, all I know is there must be something wrong with my belief. That makes it so simple. That keeps all the hands down. <laughs> I don't mind the questions. What I'm saying is, it just makes it simple. I live that way. If he told me to lay hands on the sick and they recover, it has nothing to do with the sick person. It has to do with Christ in me. So I'm looking at the disciples and they couldn't heal the epileptic boy. I'm looking at a lot of stuff in the Bible and I'm thinking, man, I got to follow him. Here's Todd doing this for 90 days and doesn't have one person say, wow, thanks. That's awesome. Everybody's just like, okay, well, thank you. And you say, well, he's doing injustice to the gospel. Are you kidding me? It's the greatest thing you could be doing. You're showing people that you care. You're stepping out beyond yourself to love. You're praying for them. They've lost nothing. They weren't expecting to be better today anyway. Don't tell me you've broke their heart because they weren't healed. Come on, you showed them at least that somebody cares and is at least purposing to trust God and believe God. And, you know, the money they're spending at the store, it says in God we trust. They might not be thinking at least somebody's there saying, you know what, let's put our trust in God. And we get this crazy thought that if we pray for somebody and the pain doesn't leave, we've just hurt their heart towards the gospel. No, you might have just showed them there's people out there pursuing God and caring about one another. See, we think the worst. We get deceived into thinking the worst. Come on. I've heard that line so many times. Well, I don't want to misrepresent Jesus. The only way you can misrepresent Jesus is not love somebody. Hello? Yeah. Okay. So, Pam, don't ever do that again. So, <laughs> I love you. But, but, but seriously, how many people, how, watch this, be honest. How many people prayed for the sick, got discouraged at some point and backed off at some level? Be honest. Thank you. I just want to make Pam see that this is a normal thing. Can I share something for a second? Um, after, um, after Dale Homer died, um, I, was, I was ticked, you know, <laughs> frustrated, whatever. I cried like a baby. I laid on my bed. God came and fathered me. Yeah, spoke to me. And so that was one of, you know, the highlight of the, the time when I, I really just thought, what do I really believe in? I don't know. 
I just didn't want to pray for anybody. And um, I was working in the office downstairs at the time. And um, one day, Jeannie Floyd came in. She brought her daughter in. And she had just broken her toe um, like an hour earlier, two hours earlier. And she brought her in for someone to pray for her. And um, it was um, swollen, purple, nasty looking. And um, the last thing I wanted to do was pray for her. And so, you know, Pastor Don's standing there. And and, uh, I had no intention of praying. I'm like, no, I have, you know. And he goes, go ahead and pray for her. And I'm just like, I didn't want to. And so with with no faith whatsoever, I just laid my hand over her foot and prayed. And here I watched the bruise disappear, the swelling disappear, and, you know, I bawled. Yeah. I really did. And she she was able to walk on it. And um, and I usually, I mean, honestly, I've never really seen anything visible happen. Um, usually it's, you know, you see somebody has back pain or you yeah. can't really see that something with your eyes, but that was visual, you know. It, was, it just really um, touched my heart. Um, but God said to me, Immediately after that, I had to go to the bathroom because I was crying. And um, he said, don't you dare draw back. And, um, yeah, that's right. Now watch. Remember what Barb said a while ago? You're going to love this. This is good. Now, you'll be able to get this because she's talking. I'm hearing God. And I'm like, wow. When Pam is praying for Dale from the position that she has the potential to be disheartened and draw back, is she praying for Dale from Revelation or is she trying the gospel? If you have the potential to revert immediately back to the flesh when you don't get the results or to think in a mindset that draws you back, are we praying from Revelation or are we just trying to be obedient with what we've been taught? Did you get that? Who's not getting this? Read, just get this this time because you, you have the intellect to get this. Watch. You do. You, you, you'll get this. Because we say so much. What Barb said about all the feelings getting in the way. So if Pam is watching, looking, her heart's involved, but as soon as it doesn't happen, because if she's locked in a revelation, and if she knows the will of God, and she's settled in these truths, and she doesn't see the breakthrough, the healthiest thing that would happen is it would drive her to more of God. God, this gospel... He has to live. It's in me. It's everything you've said. And you've got to open my eyes more to see. And you're actually more inspired to get right back out and pray for somebody with cancer. The fact that because you know the gospel's true. So there's no place to ever be discouraged, just more inspired. Now, I cried. I cried. I laid on my bed and cried. But God inspired me. I didn't cry. I wasn't backing off. There is no way. You're not going to ever see me back off because this thing's sealed in me because it's something for me to grow into because it's already set. You see what I'm saying? Now watch. For Pam to pray and be praying for Dale, it looks right. It looks spiritual. She could even take her keyboard and sit in his room and just sing over him. And it looks so awesome, right? But for him to pass and her to pull back and do that, there's something working that's not settled and established where God's concerned for her to grow into. All of a sudden, everything's in question. Which means the whole time you're praying, when you have the potential to respond in the flesh like that, it means the whole time you're praying, there's things unestablished in us and we're praying out of our own desires or own want and there's no revelation and we have the ability to just back off. So were we ever praying from a revelation if we can change our mind? Are you following what I'm saying? It, that right there proves it. 
Right there, that one little testimony, which I appreciate you sharing, but look how God responded. He, that's mercy. That's called mercy to get you back on track and reestablish. No faith, no nothing. Praying, and because God loves her, watch, and her life in Christ as far as manifesting the kingdom is so important. If it wasn't important to manifest Christ, he'd just let her sit in that belief and just be a good girl and smile sweet and lead worship and be in heaven someday. No, God in mercy overrode her discouragement, despair, unbelief, whatever you want to call it, and she didn't even want to pray. Boom. Just mercy. Just really ministering to her. He loves the lady, but that was mercy to you. And then she goes in the bathroom and says, don't you ever draw back. Why? Because when you draw back, it's a sign, I'm sorry, it's just a sign of the flesh. That the flesh is still alive and you still have a voice, opinions, and rights. And we have not revelation. We just have Christian knowledge. Do you see what I'm saying? You can't reserve the right to ever draw back. Let me show you the scripture on it. Hebrews 10. Because there's a saving of the soul for the Christian. Did you know that? A saving of the soul. Not the spirit, the soul. The soul's your mind and emotions. That's what got so twisted in the fall. The way we see the way we think. That's why it's very, 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 very important you're not quick with opinions. Because <laughs> you might find yourself one day just being a very prideful, jabbery person that has no sense of truth. You just, there's people like that in the church. Well, yeah, but, blah, 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 blah. and they're just speaking the wisdom of the world like rampant. You're going to find that it. it's pride. You, I'm telling you, it's very, you'd be slow to speak slow to anger and very quick to listen that's the Christian life I'm not talking about towards even one another with Jesus <laughs> slow to speak slow to anger very quick to listen so God's speaking through Jesus we're listening and we're not frustrated we're not yeah but yeah but then you tell me why because people do that with God as soon as you do that with God, your heart is outside of a place to even be teachable, to even respect and honor, and even to grow in the knowledge of truth. You're just contesting. You're actually taking the form of wisdom called the wisdom of the world and putting it up against the gospel. It's your place. It's your place to get a grip on your own heart and mind to get along with God and let Him speak to you and establish your heart in faith, and then from that place you pray for Dale. And when Dale passed, what that healthy thing would be then is, I can't possibly draw back, it inspires me all the more to move forward because I know there's a place for victory. I didn't see it with Dale in the sense of the natural, I see it through the blood and Dale's eternal and Dale's everlasting life, and we didn't lose, you can't lose, that's the good thing, so you gotta settle in the gospel, you can't lose in that situation. But we want to win all these natural battles because we, we want to, there's so much that needs to be done. But I don't even have a privilege to back off. When Dale passes, it's, it's, it's inspiring me to move forward because there's something to lay hold of. I'm growing into a truth. If I draw back, I'm done growing. I'll never grow again. I've just put a ceiling over my head. And I reduce myself to religious expression, spiritual expression, with no evidence of life and power this way. Well, I, I see the benefit of revelation. My question is about childlike faith. Doesn't, I mean, I just, 
God said it, so it's true. So, that's, that's, so, so it's just black and white to me. He, you want that. Hold on to that and grow in that and just live that. Because I don't always have a revelation. I don't always see him saying... Childlike faith is a revelation. I have to believe... Watch what Donna's saying. Childlike faith, it's a revelation of a restoration to innocence. God said it, it's true. See, the whole thing about being like a child, every time you hear child and babe, it's talking about innocence, the restoration of innocence. We've become so sophisticated, so full of the knowledge of the world that our innocence has been lost. And now when the Father of all creation speaks, we have to run it through to interpret it or to judge it. or to, And we run it through, Right? A child just goes, and that's, I'm actually, that's what I'm talking about. It's that, look, if he said, so here's Todd, here's Todd just out praying for all the sick. Jackie won't go anywhere with him. He, he took literally, literally, he seriously, two and a half hours to get milk. And she's just mad. Jackie's mad. She's like, <laughs> she said, you're not Pastor Dan. You're not even a, a minister. Who do you think you are? He said, I'm a believer. But there's something wrong with my believer, so I'm going to keep doing it till my believer gets fixed. That's what he would tell me. Is there something wrong with his believer? There's something wrong. He would never say there's something wrong with the will of God. There was nothing wrong with the person. He always said there was something wrong with my believer. And then we wonder why his life's lived the way it is. You ought to walk with him through an airport sometime. I'm telling you. It's just fun. He's he's cause because now his believer's coming into alignment. He didn't blame it on anything else. Just his believer. There's something I'm not seeing. There's something I'm not believing. So that's childlike faith. What's that mean? I don't know why they're not getting healed, Dan. I don't even have an answer for you. I just know it says if I pray believing, they'll get healed. So something's wrong with my believer. So I'm going to keep praying until God fixes it. How do you hear childlikeness in that? That would drive the church nuts. They'd want to sit, the Sanhedrin would sit him down. And straighten him out. <laughs> the Sanhedrin of the New Testament, New Covenant Church is what I'm talking about. Because <laughs> the church has a lot to say about that childlike material. Oh, you immature, you need to grow up. You need to get mature. You need to stop praying for people till you get a grip, pal, and get more mature. That's what they would say. A lot of... You have no idea the flack Todd caught from leaders and ministers, people that told him you need to find balance, you need to tone down, you're a loose cannon, da-da-da, you're causing a lot of harm to the gospel. And the attitude that was trying to tone him down is the one that's causing the harm to the gospel. When you're real quick to point what somebody's doing wrong, that's the thing you're normally creating yourself. Normally. That, that is a good word. That innocence she's talking about is just symbolic in Todd. He's just going through the earth. Hey man, what'd you do? Can we pray? God said if I pray believing, you could be healed. Lay my, I've been a Christian man for a while. I'm excited. I won't pray for you. Well, okay. And he's so, he was so forthright, it's hard to even say no to him. You can't even get away from Todd. Todd was like, he was really, he doesn't, now he's learned a lot. Now he slides in. He's more stealth in the sense of the hand and the thing. But he wasn't like that. He used to just walk up to people, hey, buddy, 
man, what'd you do? What you got going on? Listen, I want to pray for you. And he's right there. It didn't matter if 20 people were around. I want to pray for you. Listen, I read my Bible. If I lay hands on the sick, they'll recover. I'm just growing in faith, man. I'm getting this. I want to get this. Can you let me pray for you? The worst can happen is nothing, but I'm learning and growing. I'm believing he's going to come and heal you. He'll pray. And the guy's, no, it still hurts. Well, look, man, it says lay your hands on the sick. I just thank you for letting me. And he just walk away and go find somebody else. The church had a lot to say about that. He caught some flack. But look at his life. You, there's no way, there is no way when I travel with Todd through an airport, restaurants, in the course of a weekend, there is no way you can remember the people that cried, said they were healed, and got touched by Jesus. There's no way you can keep track and remember in your mind. In a three, four day period, it's impossible to keep track in your mind of everything that happened in those couple days just running with him. And we want to sit back with a bunch of ideas. He's going to stand before God someday and he's going to say, good boy, way to run and not be religious. Way to run and not have a let, a, let a bunch of mindsets hold you back from what's possible. Because watch this. If Jesus in three years, the world couldn't contain the books, if everything he did was written one by one in three years, and we're going to do greater things because we're the church, we probably ought to have pretty active, profuse, expressive lives. The key is start somewhere and start loving people. Don't get caught up if their pain's leaving or not. Love somebody. Love somebody. Encourage somebody. Pray the worst that can happen, it seems, is nothing, but you're not even believing that because you're loving somebody. Because if you start believing nothing, you'll get discouraged, turn inward, and God will say, don't draw back. To get it? So that's an excellent point Donna brought up about childlike innocence. That's what I was sharing here in the yes and no gospel. If he, if he said he's a yes and amen and all the promises, then, then when does that ever subject to change? Never. But why do we let our circumstances change it and then we come up with analogies and try to explain away our experience at the cost of truth, which makes us Free. <laughs> no wonder we've had so much teaching and could be more stifled and bound in the church because we got all these books and all this teaching and you can read, you can go to a Christian bookstore and go to a one shelf and find contrast, contrary books, the whole, the whole, everywhere. And everybody has a need to write a book and share their revelation. And I wonder how many people God's saying, really saying, write a book. Or how many people need to write a book? <laughs> Hebrews, real quick. <laughs> it's just true because it's not producing good fruit. You can know by the fruit. It's causing more confusion. And that thing Mick was talking about in Psalms 133, that, that, that's the place of unity. That's when we all wake up on the same page. The brethren dwelling together in unity, seeing and understanding through the eye of God. And it's like the, the oil poured over Aaron and down over the beard. And there's a sense of headship authority. There's an order in that. And even to the hem of the garment, it's, it's the place of walking in Christ in the kingdom. Why? When we're all on page. That's the place of the anointing. If, if, if we could just get the church at large to agree that God is a yes and amen God and it's His will to heal, restore, and deliver, if we could just get past that one big hurdle in our minds and in the church, that's a big hurdle. That's a huge offense right there, that topic. There's camps 
all over because of that one topic. <laughs> there's, there's camps all over because of a lot of topics. It's sad. It has nothing to do with God telling people to start a church. A childlike innocence you walk in, did that come upon you when you were saved? Or did you, I mean, then did you cultivate it, that? It, it definitely came uh, on my heart when I got saved in the sense that God became real to me. But it came when I started reading the Bible all by myself with nobody talking to me. Just reading my Bible all alone. And it coming alive, and I, be, I just took God at His word. I was like, oh my gosh. So I'm three months old in the Lord, and Jerry Lamer's walking through the aisle like this, and he needs an emergency fusion, and he's flushing his face, and he just got the phone call. Oh my gosh, we didn't see these pictures the way we should have. This is worse than we thought. If you're in an impact in a car or anything, your sh- vertebrae could shift and, and paralyze your spine. Could get, you could paralyze your legs. And they said, we need to do an immediate fusion. So I'm at work. I'm three months saved. I'm... Um, right? Spiritual huggies. I got the binky. I'm like, da da. I'm three months eight. That's what we think. Because we think it's chronological. We think it's a time we, like, we think a three month old Christian is a baby. No, a, a first day Christian is empowered with the kingdom and has the authority in his spirit and the power to raise the dead if he would see. David Hogan's ministry, there's people that have raised the dead, saved less than a month. Why? Because it's all they're taught. It's all they're taught. It's all they know. He said, here's what he says. He says, they're like newly fallen snow. And he said, and all they know is what we've taught them. They're not defending their heritage, their Christian heritage. They're not defending their family roots and the, the, the knowledge they've been inquiring their whole life. He said, all they know is what we taught them. And he said, and we teach them from the day they're born again, you can raise your dead. And they go, okay. And then they see dead getting raised and they think, okay. And, and it's amazing. So they're not even saved a month and they raise the dead. That one young man held his witch doctor daddy for six hours and he was only saved four weeks. And his daddy died cursing God and David Hogan and his own son. And died, sitting in the house, died of a disease, cursing God. And David Hogan said, you Christians, he was preaching in an American church. He said, you Christians have enough Bible knowledge to send him off to hell. He's right. David's right. He said, you don't understand mercy. You don't understand faith. You don't understand why the Bible says... He said, you have enough Bible knowledge to say, well, he had his chance, brother. Well, he should have repented why he had the chance. He said, said, our boy didn't know any better. He is roxing for six hours. (coughs) Holy Ghost, in Jesus' name, is all he prayed. Holy Ghost, in Jesus' name. What was he doing? Calling on the great power of heaven to come and breathe life into his daddy. Mercy wouldn't let the boy go or let the daddy go. And he just kept rocking for six hours. Now, you know, I'm not being mean. Our American taught minds after a half hour are going bonkers. A half hour. But he doesn't have any grid to change. He doesn't have any grid to see anything different. He can't talk himself out of it at this point. He's just going to sit there and rock and cry out to God. Our minds say, well, you know, this was a good try because, you know, but he did curse God, man. That's serious, man. God, why, uh, you know, if God was going to raise him, he'd raise him by now because it's not works. I mean, so what's it matter if I rock him an hour or half hour? I guess I need to face reality. We do all that. 
And we, it's never ending. That line of thinking is never ending. This boy doesn't, all he knows is raise your, raise your dead. He doesn't know, but he died cursing God. But he had his chance. He, he should have did it before his last breath. He's accountable now. He, da, 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 da. Nope. Just rocked and rocked and rocked. Mercy, mercy, mercy. Six hours, the daddy sat up on his lap. Alive. Six hours. David, David said that he was mad when he heard the boy. When he heard the boy was praying for him, he said he chuckled and said, fine, let him go. But he said, in my mind, he said, I had to stop 100,000 people. 100,000 people. In my mind, I had to stop 100,000 people to pray against this man because he had acquired so much power, demonic power. He said, I'm not proud of this. I'm ashamed of this. He said, I had to stop 100,000 people to fast and pray just to bear against this man. He said, but see, he said, we all say we're hungry. He said, these guys get locked in caves, big rocks, and eat human flesh and blood till the devil meets them personally, empowers them, and they bust out of the cave. And if he doesn't come and meet them, they'll die in the cave. He watched this man turn people into animals. David had marks all over his body from this man. Marks and scars, beat with machetes and shot and stoned. Because of this man. And he said, when he heard he died, he said, my first impression was, hey, God decapitated a Philistine king and we won. He said, I forgot he was a living soul. I forgot he was a man created in the image of God. He said, you don't understand. When, you, when you're burying your own men because of this man and you got the rope burns on your hands from burying friends and missionaries and family and you're burying them and it's this man's responsible. When he dies, you feel like you won. And he said, and he's a man created in the image of God. And he said, so when I heard he raised from the dead, he said, I was mad. I was like, what? He said, what is that boy doing? So he said, I got in my truck to go over there. And he said, and I said this out of my mouth. He said, I'm not, he said, I, 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 you know, I'm not proud of it now. But he said, you get so embroiled in warfare, so embroiled in persecution. He said, you don't understand. He always busts on us all the time over here in his country. He said, you think demon possession is somebody taking your parking space. He said, you go to park and somebody pulls in ahead of you. You foul devil, you know, take my space. No, they're a person that needs to walk too. And we're, and we're, he said, you're so caught up expressing your faith for daily convenience that you think if somebody gets in the way of your convenience, they have a devil. And he's on it, man. He's, he's convicting. I like listening to him because he keeps me free from religion. And, uh, <laughs> but but he, said, he said, God, if I'm telling you, if you raised him from the dead, I'm thinking you made a big mistake. Because he's so embroiled in the... He said he got over there. He said, I took one look at the man and he was different. He said, I could tell he was different. Yeah. He said, I can't explain it. I just knew he was changed. He said, I walked right up to him and the man came and knelt before me. He said, Brother David, I ask you to forgive me for all the years of hardship, pain, all the loss, all the contention. He said, forgive me. I didn't know what I was doing. I ask you, please forgive me. And David said, I, he said, he said, man, I didn't handle this whole scene well. He said, I acted like I didn't even hear him. And I said, excuse me, could you repeat all that? He said, I made him go through the whole thing again and asked me to forgive him again. <laughs> he said, because he was so embroiled. He said, do you, he was yelling on the, I have the DVD at home. He says, do you understand? I got marks in my flesh because of this man. But he said, you don't fight flesh and blood. Your war is not people. And he said, but I lost sight of that. And he said, I said to him, I said, he said, I thought I understood the mercy of God. He said, till this witch doctor raised from the dead. He said, and I realized I didn't have a clue. Yeah. 
I didn't have a clue. He said, because we have enough Bible knowledge to send that man off to hell. We write him off because of our Bible heads instead of our God-filled hearts. So he said, he asked the man, you were out a long time, what did you see out there? He said, what, what, what happened to you? What was your experience? You were gone six hours, man. You had to have an experience. He said, all I know is I was laying in an expansive space. I was hovering horizontally. I couldn't move. I was just hovering. And he said, uh, David said, that was the boy's prayers holding him from judgment. The mercy. As soon as that boy would have said, well, you know, I guess he ain't raising. Think about it. Because we represent the heart of God. We represent God on the earth. Why else would he say raise the dead? So he said he's holding that boy. And, and there's times, he said, David said when I'm, he was teaching that, he said, now listen, he said, because people say, well, then when do you ever stop praying? He said, we have laws in the jungle. You have to bury him after 24 hours. So he said, when 24 hours comes, we pray right up to that point, And we don't break the law. We put him in the ground. And if they're not raised... We say, well, thank you, God, for the gospel, and we keep on praying for the dead. He said, we've prayed for thousands, but we've seen 600 raise. But they've prayed for thousands. He said, if we look at percentages, we'll get heady and discouraged, and we won't pray for the dead. He said, we pray for the dead. See, I like that. That's childlike. That's simple. He said it, do it, right? So he asked this witch doctor what he saw. He said, I was there. Now watch, this man can't read and can't write, and he certainly never read the Bible. Because he's vehement and violent against the gospel and doesn't even know why. It's because he's demon-possessed. Because he's been pursuing the wrong kind of power. So he's been blinded. He hates the gospel and doesn't even know why. Because the devil hates the gospel. And the devil owns him. So he doesn't even know why he hates the gospel. He's just vehement against the gospel because he's possessed. So he said, I'm laying in this expanse of space and I'm horizontal and I can't move. And all of a sudden, everything got bright, brilliant, white. He said, and I turned to look to see a man whose face was brighter than the sun. He said, his eyes were flaming like fire and his hair looked like a lamb's wool. He said, when he spoke, David, it sounded like the rivers when they're flooded and the big rocks are rolling down the mountains. Can you feel that? That's like, oh my God. And he said, I looked and saw that his feet were burning red like the coals in our adobe ovens. He said, he looked at me and he said, my name is Jesus. To the witch doctor who died cursing God. My name is Jesus. I love you. And when he said, I love you, he said, the breath of life blasted me. And I sat up and realized I was on the lap of my son. And I realized this man was surely Lord. <laughs> they buried all their machine guns, all their machetes, all the, witch, all the uh, uh, militiamen of the witch doctor's crew that he hired out. All the, they all got saved. The whole town was a strong church. See, and, and then we struggle with what's possible because we've had so much loss. But we've also been subject to American religion. We've been subject to human minds and pride. We've been our own worst enemy in pride and mind. But the gospel's still the gospel. Jesus is Lord. Now that's a phenomenal story. The boy that held him was one month saved. The boy. When he said he had a, like a thousand people praying against the witch doctor, 
Was that an incorrect position to be praying on, or should they be praying? No, no, no. They, they, they were praying, you know, because this guy was bent on destroying the gospel. So he, he said he was the kind of man. He said everyone feared him. He said he owned the people because he said if he wanted to, he would walk up to you and say, you'll be dead in the morning. He said you were dead in the morning. He said he carried that kind of power in the demonic realm. So everybody was freaked out and afraid of him. He said so he had, he had given his whole life to demonic power. Well, what happened was his boys were dying of diseases. And he was doing all his rituals over them and they weren't getting better. They were dying. And one of the Christians went up to the boys and said, Look, you need to turn to Jesus, man. This witchcraft is turning on you. The devil's turning on you and your daddy and you don't understand what's going on. Jesus isn't like that. He loves you and he'll heal you. Come to church. These boys went and got saved and got totally instantly healed of these two deadly diseases. Now this man is back home. He doesn't even know where his boys are. But he's hooked up demonically. When his boys walked in the door, he said, where did you boys go today and what did you do? He, he felt the shift, their spiritual shift in his own perceptions because he was walking in that demonic realm. So it shows there's, there's power there, there's revelation there seemingly, like spirit-to-spirit communication it seems, like the whole psychic thing is real, but it's no match for the gospel. It's all counterfeit. It's all it's all blah. So he said to the boys, you're no longer my sons. I disown you. Get out of my house. I never want to see you again. So they were like, but dad, you don't understand. They're born again. They're like, yay. And they're born again. And the power of God had come on them. And they're like, dad, we're serving the wrong. And they tried to curse him and got him out of his house. Well, as soon as he did that, the two diseases that were killing his boys came into his flesh. And he went on a rampage and started to curses and hurl stuff at the church because of his boys getting saved. So David said, we had to stop our work and get 100,000 people to pray against the curses and the power and, and plead the blood and speak blessing over. Least people started to show up cursed or things get hurt. He, he literally said we needed to stop our whole work to pray almost as if in defense, even though the gospel's a oiled offensive machine. He said we literally had to pray in defense to stop this thing and he said and in that he died and we felt like our prayers worked and we won he when the man died he felt like that was the answer to prayer and he said he was so blind in the warfare that he forgot he was a human being make sense so what what dvd was that on i mean do you know the name of where he was talking or anything what's that what what recording you have you said you have that i don't know i have the video at home it's a video he was in redding california bill johnson's church when he shared that story and and Bill's church, I mean, and, and you know, Bethel's, you know, known and respected around here and all around the world. And boy, he talks straight to that church, man. He talks straight up, man. <laughs> like, he just talks straight. He don't, he don't play no favorites. He just comes and preaches. <laughs> I've had so many people watch those videos and they can't take it. it. It'll expose pride in your life, actually. I like to give them videos out. And people come back and say, man, I didn't, that guy has attitude. And I'm thinking, no, we have attitude. We have so much attitude that sometimes we can't hear the raw truth. We'll talk around it. We'll hide from it. We'll defend against it. And if we'd ever hear the raw truth, it's on, baby. The kingdom. 
Serious. I don't know about you, but I want witch doctors that die cursing God, raising from the dead. I've never heard anything so amazing. There was another uh, man came. He said, see, you don't understand. There was a, he said, what we're living in. He said, they try to get us out in the jungle and trick us and kill us and do all kinds of stuff. He said, you're driving your motorcycle down the trail and they have wires strung across the trees trying to chop off your head while you're riding. He said, and you have to trust God will protect you and not stay in your cabin. You have to go out of your hut and preach the gospel. You can't fear and you can't love your own life. You can't say, well, I can't go preach because they might have a booby trap. He said, you just go and you trust God. And he, it's, it's, see, we don't understand that. We nurture and love ourselves. Like if it's cold out, we'll skip church. Come on, I'm just saying. If they call for snow, why drive, you know? But, but what I'm saying, I'm just saying. <laughs> but this guy, this pastor, this pastor was sitting in his house and, a, and, the, and the door knocked on his hut, a real emergency kind of knock. And he peeked out the door and it was one of their worst adversaries, one of their worst guys. Antichrist, David called him. And he said, I really need your help and I really need your God. And he looked at him, he said, I ain't coming. He said, I ain't falling for your trick. He said, you ain't get me out there and killing me, not tonight, I ain't coming. He slammed the door on him. Boom, 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 boom. He opened up the door, he said, I'm serious. And he looked. I need your God. I need your God. He said, now this is, he said, see, you don't understand how we live. He said, that man knows it could be a trap. He knows it could cost him his life, but it's not his life. He gave his life to Jesus. He said, see, you Americans don't understand that. He talks like that. He said, you got rights. He said, you all have rights. That's why you leave your churches. That's why you're mad at each other, because you all have rights. You, you don't have Jesus. You have your rights. And you lace Jesus through your rights. That's how David talks. I don't know if you ever heard him, but I like him. <laughs> I like talk, David. Preach. And uh, he said, but he said he, he looked at his wife and he said, could you get me my boots? And he said, his wife got a boots. And he said, there he is, lacing up his boots. Saying bye to his wife, not knowing he'd ever see her again. Yeah. He said, but honey, my life's not moan. I've got to go. Wonder if he's serious. I'm not hearing that he's not. Wonder if he is. I can't have the kingdom if this man's finally crying out for it in some way and sit here for the fear of my own life. I've got to go. And he hugged her and went with the man through the dark jungle. He got to his village, got into the hut, and here's the man's wife laying, covered with gangrene. All through her body, it was in between her legs. He said her legs, she, he said the room smelled so bad. She's laying there in pain, just covered with gangrene. And he looked at, at, at the guy and said, I need your God. I need your God. And uh, he said he prayed for her and nothing seemed to happen. And he called for Brother David. David said, isn't this a shame how we have to live? He said, when I got the phone call, I said, wow, so-and-so sold out. He's setting, he's setting me up to save himself. He's selling out. They want to get to me. And he's selling out. They, they must be torturing him. They must, and he's sending for me. And now he's setting me up. Because when he knew he was supposed to go to there, he just figured right away it's a trap. Because he's, he's got marks all over his body from this stuff. So he figured his, he said he's like a right-hand man of mine. He's one of my best guys. And he said the best I could do was, well, he sold me out. Now watch how he talked to his man. You remember Ananias and Sapphira? In Acts? You remember, anybody not know what I mean? The drop over dead thing? Watch what he did to his man. 
When he got to the village, he, he hung low at his truck and he looked and he waited for his guy and his guy came out to the truck and he said, watch what he said to his, his right-hand man. He said one of his best friends. He said, this better not be a trick because you lie into the Holy Ghost, you will die. That's what he said. That's how sold out and serious they are and that's how incredible spiritual stuff is. He said, you can't be playing this. You, I'm telling you, you're lying, you're going to die. And he said, Brother David, I'm not lying. She needs help bad. He came to my hut. I just wanted to call on you. I needed the strength of, of what's in your heart. I needed you. I wanted you to be here. He said, okay, let's go. And they walked in the hut. He said, the whole time until he saw her with the leprosy, he's not sure it's not a trick. And ain't that something? You have to live that way. It just sobers me to watch that kind of stuff. It makes me cry. And uh, he prayed for her. They prayed together and there was no apparent change. And he told the man that they're calling on Jesus. Jesus will come and deliver your wife. And they left his house. And within like three days, she had no trace of gangrene or nothing. The whole village got born again. And that was a whole militia troop of guys that had machetes, used to kill Christians, persecute and raid villages. They all buried them in the jungle and all got born again. It's the power of God. It's the gospel. There was a, a, vi a video I watched once and I cried so hard because Holy Spirit spoke to me and I knew, you know, he's right. I knew what he said was so right and it broke me. It's like when you heard, don't you ever draw back. That hit your heart. That was God fathering you saying, Pam, don't you even reserve the right to draw back. It's not even your privilege. It's not even your right to draw back. Don't you do that to yourself. David was in a European conference and a witch came in with 11 girls dressed like witches and he, you know, ministered and she came, distracted the interpreter. He went down, she stood and lifted up her big gown and was black and fingernails and silver hair and she's praying in a demonic tongue and everybody's just, oh. And he said he started to pray in tongues and he said, fire! And she just flew. God just knocked her across. He said she just flew and, and hit the plexiglass and pandemonium broke out. People were getting saved and healed because of the wielding power. Long story short, she pulled his leg, fire, boom, fire. And then she, she, she finally crawled through the crowd and grabbed his leg the third time. And he looked down and thought, this woman is nuts. And he said, I was just ready to holler fire. And she said, no, no, no. I cannot defeat your Jesus. So I will bow to him. And right then, see the story sounds great. But I'm sitting on my floor, sitting against the couch watching this. And right then Holy Spirit said, what about your Jesus? And I realized we all carry a level of Jesus through our revelation of Jesus. We all say we have Him, but what Jesus do we have? Do we just have the one that's taken us to heaven? Do we just have the nice guy with the little birds on his shoulder or something? Do we, or do we have the one with fire in his eyes? Do we have the King and Lord? He said... That lady looked and said, I cannot defeat your Jesus, so I will bow to him. And she, he said, she got saved and all 11 of her disciples. He said, there's a strong church there. He said, I check in with them often and they're all doing great. All these former witches. Holy Spirit said to me, what about your Jesus? I can't even tell you guys, I was on my face bawling, crying out for more of God and saying, God. It wasn't condemnation, it was stirred hunger. It was like, and because here's what God was showing me. The only reason she walked in there decked out like that because she's used to Christian fear. And she's used to everybody getting their eyes on her. 
And, and God had showed me that she had went in and, 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 and caused division in churches, put cancer on leaders and pastors, and caused things through fear to happen. And she thought, well, I'm on a roll. Nobody has ever been able to stop me with their Jesus. So let's just take over the land. And she went into this conference of 5,000 and just made a wrong choice because she faced a man that knew his Jesus. Because listen to her language. I cannot defeat what Holy Spirit said, but the, the, the Jesus down around the corner in the church in the corner, the Jesus across the street in that Christian home, the Jesus down there. She had no trouble defeating that Jesus. Think about it. So she, in arrogance, she walked into this big conference thinking she'll just take more ground and just cause fear and hysteria. Because he said, he said, I'm telling you, it's, it's hilarious. He said, I'm there. And he said, the, the head intercessor of all of Europe ran up to me behind the scenes in the green room and said, David, we have a problem. He said, now listen to this. He said, David, we have a problem. That's what he said. He's, he's, he's like, you just listen to this, he said. He said, there's a witch. She's got 11 disciples with her. She's sitting. She's all dressed out. She's in our full garb. And, and he said, listen to her. What do we do? He said, well, what do you mean, what do we do? We don't do nothing. We do what we came here for. He said, see, the only reason she'd come with her garb is because she believes you'll all get your eyes on her and get your eyes off of Jesus. He said, so diffuse it. Don't, nothing, don't do nothing. He said, he wants, she wants you to do something. She wants everybody in a basement. And just because you're freaked out and you think you're doing some warfare. No, you're expressing your fear. <laughs> and that when your tongues might not even be tongues. <laughs> it might, might just be the fear that words can't express. <laughs> <laughs> serious and we think we're doing the Christian thing and we're revealing that we're so freaked out by spiritual stuff and then we wonder why we pray for somebody and they don't get healed that is simple to me that's a simple answer because we're carrying a lot of this stuff around God forbid we turn this into a method that just works it's a relationship of love that never fails so some of these stories I told about David are just convicting because he's, he's, it's a spiritual realm that's real, that's in this country, but it's mask over. It's just not boo, but it's here. When I went through that thing I went through years ago, 10 years ago, that witchcraft stuff, the Lord used the word voodoo on my bed. I was laying in, and it was funny because when he said voodoo, that got my attention. Witchcraft, that didn't really get my attention as much. He said, it's witchcraft. He said, it's a form of witchcraft. He said, it's voodoo. And when he said voodoo, I thought, because I think of that as like, I think of the guy with the bones in his nose and the little, and they grow up thinking voodoo, witch talking voodoo, and, you know, sticking swords in a doll, you know, and I'm like, you know, I pictured my little, my little, you know, imitation over somewhere in a basement somewhere, and they were doing some chant, and, you know, killed a black cat and blood in the cauldron and whatever, and they're just sticking swords through this doll, expecting me to, ah, you know, voodoo. So, so I'm thinking, voodoo? I saw voodoo. I said, Lord, what do I do? That's my first question. I'm laying on my bed. Pain eating me so bad. I picture him twisting the arm on the doll, man. My, I could Oh, you have no idea how bad my arm hurt. Because see, Satan can expose your flesh through pain. 
So when you're preaching and stuff, don't have a need to preach. Don't you have a need to counsel and tell people stuff to make yourself feel good? Because Satan will come and just crush you in that stuff to see if you even believe it. You don't have a need to be right. You don't have a need to tell people stuff. You don't need to just teach for the sake of feeling good. Because I'll tell you what, the stuff you proclaim and profess to know, you say, okay, hot shot, let's see if you even believe it. And he'll poke you in it. You ain't afraid of being poked. I ain't afraid. I just got I mean, greater protection because revelation truth. I have no. I know why I stand here and do what I do. Yeah, <laughs> this is a good thing. Because if I didn't, what? I'd be tried in everything. I wonder if you already passed some tests and now God will thump him every time he tries to touch you in that area you've been approved. But here's the deal. Voodoo. I said, voodoo. I said, Lord. I'm like, oh. I said, Lord, what do I do? I heard the Lord chuckle. He, I was in pain, but he seemed at peace. He, was, he, wasn't like, he wasn't worked up about the situation at all. And I was at peace. But when I heard voodoo, that word got my attention. That word would get people's attention in a lot of cases. A lot of people were like, oh my God, voodoo. But he spoke voodoo to me. Now he knew I wouldn't freak out. He wouldn't even speak that to you if it was going to make you freak out. But he said voodoo. And, but my reaction was, what do I do? I heard him chuckle. He was like, what do you do? Like, what do you do? What do you do? I've already done everything is what he was implying. Watch what he said. This is exactly how I heard it. Straight through. I'm going to quote it. He said, what, what do you do? Just keep believing my word. And he whispered that part. And I just laid there. I was like, and I started to cry because I realized he's so amazing. I'm a disciple. I continue in his word. I know the truth. Does my arm hurt? Yeah, but I continue in his word and I know the truth. And the truth makes me, am I a pin cushion? Am I a doll being stuck? I'm a son of the living God, baptized with Holy God. I continue in the word. I know the truth. I continue. That's all he told me to do. Continue in the word. Yeah, but brother, here's what the church was doing to me. But brother, if you understand righteousness, why can this happen? But if you're protected and the evil one touches him not, how come you're even going through this in the first place? Well, you already prayed, and if you understand faith, how come God hasn't even moved, and why is he even allowing this? And how come... Oh, yeah. That's what I got from all my friends. Serious. Challenged in every angle. Not in one way to establish faith, but to cause questions to create doubt. And didn't even realize what they were doing because of what Barb said. Because of their sentiment towards me and their love for me. A lot of people didn't want to see me hurting and they were like, Dan. And they were, but they were throwing out all these options that aren't options. Continue in my... So what do I do, God? <laughs> what do you do? Keep believing my word. He knows me. He knows how to talk to me and father me. He knows you. He knows you. He knows you. He knows how to... When he said that, he knew exactly. He already knew my response. I went... Duh. <laughs> yeah, what else is there? <laughs> What's voodoo in the light of his word? The word voodoo just triggered me. What do I do? Same thing you always do. Doesn't matter if it's witches, ten witches, four witches, five. It doesn't matter. It matters who I am and who you are because of me. That's what matters. If that gets built in us, if that ever gets built in us, if we ever see what Satan knows... <laughs> See, Jesus said, I know where I came from. I know where I'm going. I always do what pleases. My conscience is clear. I'm one with the Father. He's flowing effectually through me. That's our goal. That's where we're growing towards. Asking all them crazy questions that everybody was saying. All them challenges. 
But if you're righteous, then how come? But if there's no, then how come? Well, then why would he even be able to? Because see, we're, we're grabbing this gospel hoping for a life of ease and never be confronted or tr- have tried or tested or anything. We're, we're looking for smooth sailing, baby. That's what we're looking for. We're, we prove by our comments that we're in this for convenience and for blessing. Because when trouble comes, man, the questions fly. Like, boop, 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 boop. And we've almost preached that to condemn ourselves, that if you're going through a trial, it's just because you're missing something. No, you're going through a trial because there's a war and Satan's a jerk. It's not because you're missing something. Come on. So when all that's going on and there's a gap and that stuff in your ears, how do you respond to them in love or don't you even give it a response? You can't, you can't get caught defending everything in that sense. You just need to settle in your heart. There's a, there's a place where I do, though, with, with certain friends, relationship. I had, I had one person I really respect and respected at the time said to me, Dan, look, I just need to talk to you as a friend. I said, okay. And it would be like me coming to Dick and Dick's taking a stand and, I, and I've gotten to know Dick and I say, look, I'm just... Uh, I just need to talk to you, Dick, man. What you're doing? Look, this is just about spiritual pride. You, you're just ashamed to go get help, and you're this and that. And, and, and that would be like me doing that, and that has nothing to do with Dick's stand, right? So when they said that to me, I was like, that was a new thought to me. That was actually an interjected new thought. It was like he was suggesting something I hadn't even... It was like, what are you talking about? You think that's why I'm not because I can't because it'll affect? He said, because when you, if you go to the hospital over this, it'll affect your testimony because you preach so bold. And I was like, and, and, and I was like, wait. And, and then he said, listen, Dan, you just need to go. It's a form of pride. I've seen it a bunch. He said, it's a form of spiritual pride. And he said, and I said, no, you, it's, what are you talking about? That doesn't even cross my it hasn't. Do you think that it's just because I'm trying to abstain and get healed and not have to go to a doctor? I said, it's witchcraft. Why do I need a doctor? I need the gospel. This is about the power of God and seeing God for who he, he said, yeah, but Dan, at what point do you use wisdom and take a good look at your leg and realize that you're at a point where you need to do something? Now that sounds so rosy to the flesh. And I said, wait a minute, you stand in the pulpit and preach to never look at the temporal things, but look at the things unseen, the things that you can see are temporal. And now you're t- telling me to look at my leg. If I look at my leg, I'm only be in the same trouble I hear that's in your heart. The only reason you're saying what you're saying is because you love me and you're looking at my leg. I said, but my leg doesn't have the power to interpret God. God has the power to interpret my leg. You should be telling me to keep my eyes on Jesus. And you're saying, yeah, but Dan, that's sentiment. You're throwing sentiment on me right now. Get that off of me. I appreciate you loving me, but not the cost of truth. And I had a real strong talk with that person. And I said, no, I refuse to look at my leg. I'm not taking your counsel. (laughs) I'm looking to Jesus. And you can freak people out. If I die, I die. You talk to them like that. Because this isn't about death. You're talking about fear of death. I, I haven't even thought about dying. It's not about dying. I'm never going to die. That's not the topic. Dying. Well, yeah, but you have your wife and your children and they're thinking death, sentiment. Because they're looking at the situation, assessing it, and believing the worst. And we say we have a revelation of Jesus. (laughs) No, we love our flesh so much. (laughs) And we need to die. (laughs) Just need to die. 
So that's our last day of school. We're going to pray to die. No, I'm just kidding. No, it's a learning, growing thing. So Pam's testimony is beautiful. Who knows it's beautiful? Because she's being very humble again and honest, even on her fasting. We had fun with her because she was vulnerable and honest because we can all learn from that stuff. So she shared something with healing and then how God was merciful. Now, does God want to heal if he gave her that experience? When she put her hands on that lady, she had never seen something just physically change right now before, have you? But when you had no faith and were discouraged and didn't even want to pray, the worst thing she could have done for her own self at that point was to tell Don, no, go ahead and pray. But the fact that she pushed through all that wanting not to pray and at least put her hands on and obeyed and just was humble, honored. Like, oh, why me? Oh, God, why did you just pray? I don't even want to do this. But she did it. And that was enough because God's mercy came and went, boom, see, this is what I want for you, Pam. Don't let yourself get so troubled that you ever draw back again. So was God wanting her to move forward? Does God want to heal and restore? So is God cheering her on in his will and trying to get her eyes to agree with him and become one with him so she can rightly represent him in every situation? Come on, it's obvious or God would have never done that. I've never seen it quite that way before when you just look at it, yeah, yeah, and nay, nay, and Corinthians. Um, I see it in a, a little different light in the, uh, there's therefore now no condemnation to those of Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. If we can get our place in that place, our, ourselves in that place where we aren't walking after the flesh and the flesh is not in the way, and we're in the Spirit, then we can prove what is that good and acceptable, perfect will of God. We right. can do it and walk out right. as He speaks to us. And speaks. But that scripture alone, that scripture alone, Romans uh, 12, reveals that we're to know the will of God. We're to be able to prove and know and prove the acceptable will of God. The perfect will of God. The good, acceptable, the perfect will of God. We're supposed to know. We have gotten so confused through natural experience that there's some circles that throw the will of God around like a hot potato that actually have been taught to never assume to know the will of God, that it's an unholy and blasphemous, presumptuous thing to assume to know God's will because God alone is sovereign and He knows and we don't. And Jesus Christ in the flesh is the will of God revealed. Jesus' life is the will of God revealed. Some translations say where the Word became flesh, it says, and the Word became a human being. I don't know, some of you might have a translation that says that in John 1. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Some translations say, and the Word became a human being and walked among us. The Word became a human being. Why? So the, so the life, the human being called Jesus was the Word of God revealed. So the will of God is the life of Jesus lived. And seeing that he healed everybody and didn't turn anybody away and anybody that touched him was healed and he didn't have any reasons that we come up with, we probably ought to get our life lined up to his life because he's the truth that makes men free. This thing is so simple. Okay? It's 11 o'clock. We didn't even take a break. I wanted to show you where not to turn back. Let me just read it quick and you know, we can take a break and then we can just, uh, I don't know what we'll do, but I didn't expect to teach today. I didn't even come to teach. I didn't even think I was teaching today. I did. It's your fault. Yeah. <laughs> I was just going to kind of hang out and, and, and just kind of do whatever, you know. I didn't know what we were going to do. I didn't, I didn't have anything in my heart when I came here to teach. I didn't know if anybody had. I was going to ask you guys what you had in mind for the last day. Some people, I'm not the kind of guy, I'm not a, 
I don't know. Some people just think of cool. Oh, it's the last day, and they have all these cool ideas and things to do. And I'm just, I'm just not that way. So I'm not a lot of fun that way. So I apologize. <laughs> but uh, what did Jessalyn say yesterday? She said, "Tomorrow's our last day. What are we doing?" I said, "I don't know." She said, "I think we ought to just hug each other the whole time. Just hug each other all day." <laughs> that's what she said. I was like, "Oh, that's so cool. <laughs> just hug each other." <laughs> You said that. It was sweet. She didn't know she would be able to be here, and you just got to walk in. So, amen. Good deal. Let me read this real quick, and we can go take a break. I'm disciplining your bladders so your flesh never gets in the way. It was a little story about Todd. I was disciplining his bladder because when you travel with Todd, he drinks like six gallons of water a day or something. So when you drive with Todd, it's not like driving with a kid. It's like driving with a whole youth group. Serious. He's like... Rockin'. I told him, I told him, he's videoing. I told him, I said, why don't we just get you one of these self-applicable catheters and just a leg bag, and then we'll never have to stop. We can get where we're going. If he's driving, he never gets there. He'd turn a five-hour drive into a seven-plus-hour drive. He'll stop and go to the bathroom, and then he prays for people when he's at the bathroom, and it's all good, but he'll just never get there. Like the last time we drove, he's on the turnpike with the wheel between his knees. He was driving straight. It wasn't unsafe, but he's tightening his dreads talking to me. And at 65, I looked down, we're going like 57 or 8. And I said, hey, buddy. And he said, you know, this is a lot longer drive to Ashtabula than they said it was going to be because we're already at this point. And I said, we stopped twice to pee and got gas at the one stop. And you're driving 58 and a 65. I said, pull over. Pull over. Because, <laughs> see, we haven't been traveling together too much. And I built a lot of good things in that young man when we were traveling together. Because he said I was a road warrior and he would have to go to the bathroom every hour. And I said, we're going to discipline your bladder. I said, we're going to make you wait. He said, that ain't right, dude. I'll just, no. I said, I'll go in your seat. I'll just go in your truck. I said, no, you ain't going in my truck. So we're having fun with this, right? So I'm just driving. We'd already stopped. I said, you're done. We're not stopping anymore. You're making it. He says, dude, that ain't right. That ain't going to fly. This is a five-hour trip. I'm like, and, and And he's, he's seriously, he's rocking. He's like, look, enough's enough. We're having fun, but I got to stop. And, and he said, you're really waiting way too long. I said, no, I have a plan. I'm disciplining your bladder. I'm in faith for this. I said, we're going to build up a resistance so the next time we travel, we can roll. And you'll see, it'll work. It'll just build up in you. He said, yeah, but I need to go right now. And I mean, he was literally, you could tell, he was like, and I said, well, I'm waiting. We're going to get up this exit. I can pull right off and get right back on. I said, you can see the big gold McDonald arches right when we turn the bend here. So we saw him. He's like, oh, thank you, Jesus. And he's sitting there holding the door. He says, this ain't right, dude. I can't believe you're doing this to me. He was like, if I'd tell anybody this, they wouldn't believe it. You're supposed to love me. And he's doing all this stuff. We pull into the parking lot. We're in West Virginia. We pull into the parking lot and there's this lady coming across the parking lot like this. Todd's sitting there. He, he's like, yes, bathroom. And he goes, oh, oh. And I park. He leaps out and runs straight to her. He can hardly make it to the bathroom. He was telling me, dude, I'm not kidding you. I, I hope I make it. I said, well, I'm sorry I stretched it this long, but I said, it's all going to pay off in the long run. You'll see on our next trip, you know, get your bladder. He runs over. I can't hear him because he runs over. And, he, and that was when he was growing out his dreads and he didn't lose all the weight he lost. He's a big boy running across a lot with dreads flopping. <laughs> I mean, he's just running to this lady and she's like, and he's just coming. 
And he's coming closer. And you can just see it. She's like, oh my God. He's so gracious. He's so fun to watch. He gets from here to the wall from her. He's like, he's running fast. And I'm thinking the whole time, he has to pee. I was thinking, he just totally, it made me cry. He stops, he says, I don't mean to scare you. I'm so sorry. We stopped to use the restroom. You're really hurting. What happened to your foot? And he starts easing in. All I want to do, hon, is pray for you. That's why I'm running. I didn't want to startle you. And he slides right in on his knees while he's talking. And she's just standing there. You should have seen how clean it was. It was just so... And he's talking. And she's just standing there. I see him get up and he's... She walks. She has no limp whatsoever. None. She's just like... Now you see her crying, and he's talking, and they're hugging, and he's talking, and she's just crying, and he's crying, and I'm crying. And, and I'm way over at the truck, because I was going to go in and get us some drinks, and then, so he could put more back in, <laughs> train his bladder. It was our training program. And uh, so, they, they had a certain drink they had there this summer, and we were going to get one. I said, I'll grab you one. So he, he she's walking back and forth. Here she was, her, she was 60s. Her foot was like that since she was four. Broke and never healed. And whatever. And she had to walk like that. She walked like that her whole life. And now she's in the parking lot walking like this. It was amazing. She was walking back and forth like she was on a runway. And Todd came to me and said, Her foot, dude, her foot's been like that since she was four. Jesus just, oh my God. He's like, oh, he's just crying. And I'm like, yeah. I said, you had to pee. <laughs> he said, oh, yeah. <laughs> I just cried. It just, that said a lot to me right there. Because you know what? It, it, the, the faith, the love over, overtook. That happened to me in the uh, marketplace one time with John Mulliken. I had to go real bad. We were talking and, and I, I, I said, listen, man, I need to just get down to the bathroom. I said, I love you. I just met John. He just, and, it, and we were there talking and, and uh, he said, yeah, he said, you look like you got to go. I said, if I don't go, I'm going to be in trouble. I need to get down there. So I got up to go and a lady came walking into the place I was sitting. It was a prayer booth. Ministered to her for 45 minutes. She got totally wrecked. And I didn't even know I had to go to the bathroom the whole time. Supernatural. In fact, at that point, when it was over, John said, you know what I'm freaked out about? You never had to go to the bathroom. I didn't even have to go. When he said it, it wasn't like I even had to go. So I don't even know what happens there. But the heart that was in Todd running across that lot to pray for her first, when I knew as a guy just having fun with him as a buddy, I stretched him to the max. I think he threw all them good disciplines away too because he doesn't travel with me anymore. I'm thinking his travel, I'm thinking it's bad. <laughs> I'm thinking his bladder's soft. <laughs> so, <laughs> you guys take a break. Speaking of bladders, go. So we're just going to wrap up and close. Uh, <laughs> 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 precious little young lady. I, I tease her all the time, Mary. I say, I saw you before you were seen. <laughs> See, I, I, I knew Mary before she was ever born. I met Mary, she came to the church where I was pastor, and she was at a corporate prayer. Mary was at a corporate prayer time. This is the story behind this. It's really cool. She was at a corporate prayer time, and we were supposed to be praying for the city, Mary. <laughs> 
And uh, we were crying out and praying for the city. And Mary's over. I can still see where you were. You were right in that middle aisle. And you were right out in front of the altar facing this way. And she's down and she's crying. And she really looks like she cares about York City. And the Lord said she's not praying for the city. She's crying for a miracle. And she was told she got done with the fertility stuff and just and was told she wasn't going to get pregnant. And it was like a hope was trying to die in her heart. And she was rocking in intercessory prayer, wanting to get pregnant, wanting to have a child. And, and we were supposed to be praying for the city. And she's there rocking. And the Lord said, she's not praying for the city. She's praying for a miracle. And I went over and I remember talking to her. And she's crying, put a hand on her back. And we just prayed. And probably six to eight weeks later, six to eight weeks later, and look at, is that from the Lord or what? <laughs> Come on. Is this from Jesus or what? So, so that was six to eight weeks later. Boop. And now we're 14 years later. But uh, you go ahead and play. You just play. God's building worship in her. And Flon and I, I had fun with her yesterday because she said to Pam and Deb, she said, uh, was it Tuesday? When did they pray for you? Two days ago. Okay. They, they prayed for her to... She said, could you guys pray for me just for worship? I just want that in me. And, I, and she respects and honors Deb and Pam. And they laid hands and were praying. And I was teasing her. I said, well, look, now you got all that impartation, man. Get up there and pray and sing, play and sing. I want to hear it, you know. And she's like... And then she realized I never heard her sing. I never heard her play or sing. And she said, you never heard me sing? And Tammy and I were sitting here and it was beautiful, wasn't it? Oh, my goodness. And I said, hey... I said, you can just bless us and play, but it's fitting. It's a, I'm going to let her just play this real soft song, real sweet, soft song, just real sweet. And I'm going to let her sing, but there's something I just feel like we want to, I want to close this school out and just with our eyes on him and let this song be a prayer. And there's something I want to read over us. Okay. I, uh, I, I, I believe, I believe God will bless us. I just want, I just want to read it over us then. It's just one of, it's a, it's a closing prayer in Hebrews. And uh, and it's my faith for you guys. I have it rainbowed. See that rainbow there? That's the prayer. <laughs> and uh, go ahead, just start playing. You can just play and take your time. You don't even have to sing yet. It's all right. You don't even have to sing yet. I want you to play out of your heart. There's something special when somebody loves Jesus. Mary said she's been spending hours, spending hours alone in her bedroom worshiping Jesus. What I like to do is, and this is what I encouraged her the other day, and I encourage everybody that leads worship to do this. I say, man, don't get caught leading worship. I said, you give people the privilege of entering into your love life. You give people the privilege of entering into your love. That's what I believe a good worship leader does. <laughs> They're in love, and they just open the door. <laughs> do you get it? <laughs> and we just get to come in. Oh my goodness. So, just let her touch the keys and play. And she's just growing in this, and we're just going to let her flow with it. And, and uh, But Tammy and I were very blessed, weren't we? Sitting there, she sang. And uh, what's the song you're singing? Light of Your Face. Light of Your Face. It's an intimate, intimate song. But you can play those keys, okay? I'm going to read this over the students. You can just play. And we're all going to get quiet. And what I want you to do is just in your own heart personally, you thank God for these 13 weeks and whatever they meant to you. I'm not going to go around the room and ask you to testify what they meant, but just thank God for whatever he imparted. It's probably different for all. And uh, 
just thank him for the grace and the season that this school represented and the fruit that it's to produce. Amen. And uh, just rejoice in that. And I'm going to read this over you guys. It's just really good. It says, Now may the God of peace who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you complete in every good work to do His will. Working in you what is well-pleasing in His sight through Jesus Christ to whom be the glory forever and ever. Father, I thank You that we're the body of Christ. I thank You that we're Your children, we're Your choice. We're predestined before the foundation of the world. And Father, I just thank You that it's Your grace working in every one of us that has made us complete. I thank You that You're making that evident through manifestation, through demonstration of the fruit of Your Spirit and the finished work of Christ. I thank You to do every good work according to Your will. We surrender and submit to You, submit to Your will. We've sat here for 13 weeks and and had a lot of good times rejoicing, hard times, tears, laughter, impartation, even the baptism yesterday. Just thank You for the truth of who you are and the reality of who you are. And Father, I'm just asking, as even one that stood and taught many days in this school, that you take everything that was sown and imparted and let it become revelation and reality to every single student in this school. Father, I just thank you that intimacy with you would be like never before, that just knowing that we know, that we know, that we know. I ask you for grace, Lord God. And I thank you that you're the one that makes us complete to do your will. I bless you, every one of you students, to speak the blessing of God over you. And Father, I just thank you that the grace, that the grace to be transformed was an impartation of even truth, God. And let us embrace it and become it. I bless you all in Jesus' name. And Father, we thank you for the honor and thank you for the privilege. Here's what I want to do. It's 10 of. I just feel this in my heart. I want you to to grab somebody, maybe not somebody that you got real, real close to in the school, but maybe just somebody that you've known from the school. Not like your best bud in the school, but go find somebody, grab somebody, just pair up. Just bless one another. Just speak life over one another. Just activate your faith and just bless one another. Take turns, just speak, pray, bless. Just find somebody, love somebody. Just feels right. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Because actually the faith that's in your own heart for your own life in the school will pour out into somebody else. Doesn't matter who pairs up with who. Just find somebody. Grab somebody. Bless them. Pray over them.